Chapter 19 of Wise and Otherwise. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Wise and Otherwise by Pansy. Chapter 19. Great men are not always wise. Mrs. Roberts furnished each of her guests with a huge palm leaf and took one herself, though in her cool, dark parlor such precaution seemed almost unnecessary. Mrs. Tresevant looked particularly cool and bright and bewitching in her blue silk robes and her ravishing bonnet. Mrs. Roberts was voluble at all times, particularly so today. She had a special object in view. Now, my dear Mr. Tresevant, I hope you will be good and obliging and not spoil all my pretty plans. I have not talked them over with a person except my particular friend, Mrs. Arnold, and she and I really planned it together, but I said to her, don't breathe a word of this for the world until we have consulted Mr. Tresevant. Of course it is perfectly fitting that we should get his opinion, and we do not want to talk over matters of this kind until they have been subjected to his approval. Wily Mrs. Roberts. Her husband was a lawyer, but did he ever put a case more skillfully than this? So different this from the way in which they had managed that absurd old folk supper that he quenched. Mrs. Roberts' pastor felt smilingly complacent. It would be difficult in his present mood to combat anything. I have no doubt but that your scheme is very fascinating, he said, with utmost suavity of manner. By all means, let us have the benefit of it. But Mrs. Roberts was not yet ready to put the question. It does seem so pleasant to have you speak in that way, she said with enthusiasm. The truth is, we have not been used to that sort of thing. Dear Dr. Mulford was a blessed man. We loved the very ground he trod on. Oh, he was almost perfect. Let it be particularly remembered that this view of the case would have astonished Dr. Mulford, he never having the slightest reason to suspect that Mrs. Roberts gave him credit for even an ordinary amount of common sense. But then, who among us but makes mistakes occasionally? The doctor, poor man, did not understand how to unbend from his dignified height for the benefit of the lambs of his flock. He thought they ought all to be satisfied with strong meat. Now I think that children and young people need occasional diversion, and we older people should lay aside our more intellectual preferences once in a while for their benefit. Don't you think so, Mr. Tresevant? Yes, Mr. Tresevant assented, marching into the gracefully laid net with all the alacrity that the famous historical fly could possibly have shown after the spider's courteous invitation. Certainly he believed in a reasonable amount of recreation, and Mrs. Tresevant, on being personally appealed to, assured her hostess that she thought prim young ladies who never needed amusement were perfectly unendurable. And as her hostess had no means of knowing that the pastor's wife made this remark for the benefit of her own husband, because he had told her not two hours before that Miss Del Bronson had sources of amusement within herself, went off into an ecstasy of delight over their united wisdom and good sense. Such a comfort to hear you say so. Dr. Mulford, well, the fact is Dr. Mulford was a middle-aged man. To be sure, the poor man was not to blame for growing old, but then some people did manage to retain their youthful feelings, even after they had gray hairs. But that was our dear pastor's one mistake. He could not enter into the feelings of the young people. He frowned upon every idea that hadn't a prayer meeting for its foundation. No one could feel worse than I did when he left us, but I told Mrs. Arnold at the time that I was willing to be sacrificed myself if it would benefit our young people. 
There are scores of persons in this world who are perfectly willing to be sacrificed on the altar of young people's amusements. I am so glad, repeated Mrs. Roberts, that we have a clergyman who is liberal in his ideas, who has kept up with the times, you know, and understands the needs of the present generation. It is quite a relief to us, I assure you. I cannot tell you how much we appreciate it. Now if there was anything in this world that Mr. Tresevant coveted, it was to be unlike Dr. Mulford. The man had endured much, you must remember, in having to hear, with unfailing pertinacity, wherever he went, the same old story of Dr. Mulford's perfections. Perhaps he could have borne the story better had he been aware of the fact that Dr. Mulford's thorns in the flesh were the ones who talked the loudest now. But it must be admitted that to the present pastor's rasped human nature it was a positive relief to hear of some of his imperfections occasionally. When Mrs. Roberts paused for breath, he again suggested his question. What are your present plans, Mrs. Roberts? Oh, nothing formidable at all. Only just a quite little gathering of the young people here in my own house. Only I am going to make it of use to the church. My idea is that young people ought to be taught to cultivate benevolence at the same time that they are enjoying themselves. So I am going to have the guests all dress in character and have the entire evening an acted-out game of forfeits. I don't quite understand, said the perplexed minister. Don't you? These theologians live so far up in the clouds that they can't be expected to comprehend such foolish little matters. Why, you see, we will give the gentlemen the privilege of guessing as many times as they please who the different characters are. Only, for every mistake that they make, they must pay a forfeit of ten cents, and if they guess aright, the one thus discovered must pay the forfeit. And are the guessers expected to judge from the style of dress and the conversation? Oh, no, the dress is necessarily quite similar, you know, and the conversation— well, that might assist materially in some cases. Only people have a right to feign a style that is foreign to their own, you know, and indeed it is half the fun to see how well this can be accomplished. I think the tone of the voice is what generally betrays. Don't you, Mrs. Tresevant? More and more mystified grew the minister. This was certainly new business to him. He ventured on further inquiries. I am very dull today, I fancy, but I really do not get the idea. Do I understand that these young people are expected to assume the dress and manner of historic characters of past generations, and that lookers-on are to ascertain by their own knowledge of history, and by the degree of excellence with which the characters are sustained, who are the persons thus represented? Oh, dear, no! But what a delightful idea, Mr. Tresevant! Quite original, I am sure. I never even thought of such a plan." We really must get up a party in that way. It would be so improving to the mind as well as entertaining. Quite a review of one's education. Don't you think it would be delightful, Mrs. Tresevant? I mean to speak to Mrs. Arnold about it this very evening. She is an excellent person to manage such affairs. But about this party of mine, Mr. Tresevant, your wife understands it, I am sure. Why, you see, the young people all wear some pretty little disguise until supper-time, and you just have to guess by your wits who they are. Masks? queried Mr. Tresevant, in a voice of such undisguised dismay, that Mrs. Roberts grew twice as voluble. Well, yes, I suppose that is the proper name for them, although if you were Dr. Mulford I should really be afraid to use the word. The poor dear man had such a horror of it. I ventured to mention the idea of a masquerade party to him at one time, quite innocently on my part, I assure you. 
I supposed, of course, he understood what people in our circle meant by such terms. But you would have been amused at the result. Why, the dear old gentleman was perfectly horrified. I'm sure I don't know what he thought a masquerade party in a lady's private parlor was, something very like a circus, I should imagine, from the horror he exhibited. I was so amused. But, of course, I dropped the whole matter at once. I respected even my pastor's ignorance too thoroughly to do anything of which he disapproved. Let it go, I said to my friend Mrs. Arnold. We must remember that Dr. Mulford is getting to be an old man. We cannot expect him, perhaps, to be equal to present needs and customs. One of these days we will have a younger pastor, one who will enter heartily into our plans and views for the young. Until then, let us be silent and patient. And Mrs. Roberts folded her white hands and sat back with an air of resignation that would have been beautiful to behold, provided one were far enough advanced in the knowledge of present needs and customs to realize in all its fullness that the private masquerade parties were to be the salvation of the young people. The poor fly in the net was struggling. He had a wholesome horror of masquerades, but he had a greater horror of being like Dr. Mulford. And Mrs. Roberts had such a peculiar way of stating things. What in the world led her to be so certain that he would favor her schemes? While he was hesitating and trying to determine what to say, Mrs. Tresevant said it for him. She had not been to a gathering of the sort since she was a gay young girl in her father's house. She should be delighted to come. It would seem so like old times. Mr. Tresevant roused himself. Was it possible that they were expected to grace this scene with their presence? He commenced his sentence somewhat hesitatingly. Mrs. Roberts, but Mrs. Roberts did not like the expression on his face. She was not ready to have him speak yet, so she was conveniently deaf and very voluble. It will be such a delight to have our pastor and his wife mingle with the young people. That is just as it should be. How can we expect to mold our young people to our wishes and control their exuberant spirits if we stand aloof from them and look severely on all their innocent pleasures? That is what I was always telling Dr. Mulford and if they had left the poor man to be guided by his own common sense, I really think he would have done better. But, my dear Mrs. Tresevant, don't you know there are always two or three people in a church who are bent on marking out a path for their pastor and bidding him walk in it? Mrs. Tresevant answered with considerable asperity. Yes, indeed, she did know it, knew it by personal experience. She thought the Regent Street Church had its share of just such persons. It certainly had, Mrs. Roberts repeated, with a solemn shake of her head, and very annoying it must be to a clergyman's family. For her part, she never could understand how folks dared to interfere so constantly with what did not concern them. But of course, the only way for sensible people to do, that is, for people who are strong enough to have minds of their own, was to move quietly on in their own way and let the agitators fume. Then she turned sweetly to Mr. Tresevant. She had decided to let him speak. We would like to have our gathering on Tuesday of next week, if that meets your approval. Is there any reason why you should prefer another evening? It is the evening of the young people's meeting, Mr. Tresevant answered in doubtful tones. Mrs. Roberts hastened to atone. Oh, surely, how very stupid in me not to think of that. You see, I have no young people of my own to attend the meeting, or my memory would be better. Of course we will change it. Could you look in on Wednesday evening, then? Of course we wouldn't hope to keep you very long, but
but long enough for the children to understand that you are interested in their sports as well as in everything else that pertains to them. You can't think how glad I am that you are coming. I really must tell you, aside from the pleasure, it is a little bit of a triumph to me. Mrs. Arnold was almost certain you wouldn't. He has been boarding with some of our most rigid extremists, she said to me, and has been thrown a great deal in their set, so nothing would be more natural than that his ideas should be colored by them. But I said emphatically, Mr. Tresevant is not a man to be led against his will. Now you mark my words, he will do just as he pleases, without regard to the prejudices of other people, and he will please to do what will aid him in gaining an influence over the younger portion of his flock. Will Wednesday evening suit you, Mr. Tresevant? Yes, said Mr. Tresevant promptly, and with decision in his tones. I see no objection to that evening. Mr. Tresevant had decided that he was not to be governed by the opinions of the sales clique in this matter. He had a perfect right to do just as he pleased, and he should. End of chapter 19. Recording by Tricia G.